This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. We appreciate you. It's a big day and I'm going to let the appreciate you slide because guess what? Okay. I can finally say I may appreciate 10 House Republicans. I mean, who would have thought 2021? Mm-hmm. We told you 2021 was going to be different. Yeah, and honestly, I felt like a vampire that was close to garlic when I said that. So no, I take it back. I don't appreciate any Republicans. <laughs> All right, well, we'll be talking more about that. Of course, Trump's second impeachment today. All the news you need to know. Uh, plus, why Elon Musk is telling people to download the Signal app. So should you. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. As we mentioned, President Trump is officially the first president to be impeached twice. I mean, it feels like uh, this was the announcement we're all uh, waiting for him to make last week. And it's taken him the past week and his whole uh, life and career falling apart even more so than it was falling apart uh, for him to make this, this the speech, the right speech a leader makes for this nation. Um, I don't even think it's about being a good leader at this point. It's about him not wanting to be convicted by the Senate. It is about him saving his butt at this point. And I think um, the only reason why he's doing this is because there's a teleprompter in front of him and he doesn't want to, uh, he doesn't want Mitch McConnell to convict him because Mitch McConnell is no longer taking calls or messages from him. Trump now accounts for two of the nation's four impeachments in history. Okay, and here's Representative Cori Bush discussing the impeachment today on MSNBC. There had to be some type of, uh, whether it's uh, um, implicit bias or some type of prejudice on the inside of people that Donald Trump was able to touch. He was able to touch that and awaken it and he gave it space. He gave it room. And when you when you take when you take out the king, when the king no longer has a place, then we see that people start to do something different and people will adapt to the next person. Now, hundreds of National Guard troops have been forced to sleep in the hallways of the Capitol, and it's the first time troops have camped there since the Civil War. There are images that came out this morning that show the battle-ready guards sleeping in almost any spot they can find with their assault rifles and everything. The troops had slept there overnight after getting the call at 6 p.m. Tuesday with at least 20,000 National Guardsmen now expected in Washington, D.C. amid an alarming surge of threats of violent revolts against next Wednesday's inauguration of President-elect Joe Biden. Hopefully Trump's speech changed that because he mentioned that He will not tolerate violence, including from his supporters, but we'll see. And that does it for What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Call Me By Your Name, Army Hammer is all over the news, especially after eyebrow-raising past comments about his sex life have resurfaced amid the release of online messages that claim Hammer is into rape fantasies and cannibalism. I mean, there's oh. a lot to unpack here. So trigger warning, first of all, as we get into this T-Report, those pop culture stories that are trending right now. Sure, are you ready for this? It is crazy. I mean, this is a nice change of pace, I guess, from um, the impeachment. I mean, cannibalism? Who knows? So back in 2013, uh, he did an interview with Playboy where Hammer basically talks about how he loves to be a dominant lover. Um, okay. He went, I mean, he, when I tell you, he went into detail. Um, but he also <laughs> said all of that changed once he got married to his wife. He said he respects her too much to do that is what he's quoted <laughs> saying. I mean, I'm like, what? Oh, my God. <laughs> but then obviously him being 
being so open didn't go well publicly. And he even during that time said he learned his lesson. But did he? Because that did not stop him from talking about another situation in Elle magazine recently where he said some woman before he was married, of course, he was with tried to stab him because she was like, true love leaves scars. You don't have any. And so she tried to stab him with the butcher knife. Huh? And he wasn't into that? Who would be into being stabbed by a butcher knife? I'm joking. He said he was into (laughs) rough stuff. (laughs) Well, the crazy thing is the way that he's being, I think the the point of the story is he's being so open about all of these sexual experiences of his. um, He has yet to actually publicly address a scandal where DMs have been leaked, where the account that leaked it claims a message from Hammer to one woman says he's 100% a cannibal and another message alleged discussing cutting off toes. Okay, now this is getting... I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I started you off saying it was wild. If y'all want to know more about that story, I don't know what's going on with the Army Hammer, um, but he has really been affected by all of this quarantine and just talking too much. Head over to our website at wearechannelq.com because that is your tea report. Don't call me by my name, Army Hammer, please. Uh, Now coming up on the show, the latest on Trump's second impeachment, what GOP senators voted him out and what is next. We'll be back in two minutes. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. On this vote, the ayes are 232, the nays are 197. The resolution is adopted without objection. The motion to reconsider is laid upon the table. That was House Speaker Nancy Pelosi announcing that the House of Representatives voted 232 to 197 uh, to passed the vote to impeach President Trump for his historic second time. I can't believe I'm even saying it, but it's happening. I can. Are you kidding me? This is the best news I've gotten since, I don't know, ever? Yeah. Makes me kind of want to wish, you know, that he actually won re-election to see how many times they could impeach him in five or six Exactly. Breaking records. Ken Charles is the voice you're hearing right now. He's the program director at KNX 1070 AM. Thanks for joining us again on this very historic day. It, 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 it's interesting. And this one is much different than the last one because this one had 10 Republican votes. The mm. last one was straight party line. This time, not only were there 10 Republican votes, but Liz Cheney, I mean, look, former, you know, daughter of the former vice president of the United States and an architect of George W. Bush's, you know, White House voted against Donald Trump. That's pretty remarkable but wait ken how how significant do you think this break within the republic republican party is like is it actually something that we'll continue to see it doesn't really feel that way well i mean it is a little a little late but you know the question really is why you know i heard uh, senator pat toomey this weekend talking about yes we should impeach and invoke the 25th amendment and get rid of donald trump and he got asked by jake Tapper. And by um, Chuck Todd, well, what about two years ago? What about, and his answer was, well, yeah, he texts a lot of crazy stuff, but this is different. Hmm. And it's like, is it really different? Or is it just he's not as powerful as he once was? And I think it's two things. One, Donald Trump today, they don't need him. I mean, think about this. Conservatives got what they needed. They got three Supreme Court justices. They got hundreds of federal court justices. They got the tax cut. They don't need Donald Trump the way they needed him one year, two years, three years ago. And I think that's the big difference. The other is how many big companies are pulling their donations from Republican political action committees and candidates. Mm -hmm. Always follow the money. That is true. Now, Senate Majority Leader uh, Mitch McConnell has released a statement. Given the rules, procedures and Senate precedents that govern presidential impeachment trials, there is simply no chance that a fair or serious trial could conclude before President-elect Biden is sworn in next week. Now, Ken Charles, Program Director at KNX News with us right now. What does that all mean? Like, what happens next? So the Senate's not even in session right now. So they come back in session the 19th. That does do some things. So Ossoff and Warnock from Georgia have not been seated yet. The state of Georgia doesn't have to certify that election until January 22nd. So if it were to go to the Senate right now, Mitch McConnell would be Senate leader. There would be 50 Republicans and 48 Democrats. 
That's a very different Senate makeup than you're going to see after Joe Biden gets in once Warnock and Ossoff are seated. It'll be 50-50. And with Kamala Harris, then Vice President Kamala Harris, right. as the Speaker pro tem, there's going to be a, or the President of the Senate, there's going to be a Democrat, Chuck Schumer, as the leader of the Senate. Different world, different rules, different way to do it. Right. The only real key thing then is, besides it'll get a different kind of a hearing, is they still will need two-thirds of the Senate to convict, which is 17 Republican senators hopped across the aisle. Do you think Democrats are concerned about any political repercussions of impeachment? Clearly not, because they did it today. Um, and that'll go away two years from now. I do think the Republicans are. You know, we're seeing a different Mitch McConnell. Is that because he's 78 and the next time he has to run for election is 84 and he's kind of signaling he's not going to do it? So it's not really the, the, the Democrats because they've been consistent for years. It's the Republicans that are changing. And that's the story. I think the reason why I asked that is because Democrats, obviously Joe Biden is supposed to be coming in to heal the country, right? He's going to be coming into a country that is way more obviously continued to be divided. And also this is going to be taking away attention from coronavirus. There are so many people who need help and there needs to be another conversation about stimulus packages. Honestly, that was my only concern about the this whole impeachment because it feels like we're worried about, of course, something that needs to be handled, obviously, but will this you know, get their mind off of coronavirus because we're in the middle of a pandemic still? So Mitch McConnell said, and I've heard a number of other people say that the smartest thing to do would be to wait at least till Joe Biden's first 100 days are over before they try this in the Senate. And your point is right because of he needs to, listen, he needs to get his entire cabinet confirmed. He needs to get lots of other people confirmed. He needs a stimulus package. There are other things he wants to do in those first hundred days. A trial in the Senate could derail some of that. So the longer it takes to get there um, is fine. Now that impeachment is done, the House can get on the business of the House. All right. That was Ken Charles, program director at KNX 1070 AM. Thanks again for being here. Sorry you can't stay and talk about Kim Kardashian and Kanye. Oh, uh, those two crazy kids. Are they getting back together? Maybe no, they, no. All right. Feel better? <laughs> no. Coming up on the show, a Stop the Steal organizer who's now banned by Twitter said three GOP lawmakers helped plan his D.C. rally. The Washington Post joins us for that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. The new Channel Q. According to the Washington Post, right-wing activist Ali Alexander, who organized the Stop the Steal movement, said he organized the plan, which coincided with Congress's vote to certify the Electoral College votes last week, alongside three GOP lawmakers, Representatives Andy Biggs, Mo Brooks, and Paul A. Gosar, who are all pretty much hardline Trump supporters. And with us is a reporter at the Washington Post, Teo Armas, who uh, wrote a whole story about this. Thanks for being here. No, thank you so much for having me. So Ali is banned from Twitter now. What happens to these other right-wing supporters, though? Like, this story is so fascinating how this just came out and really shifts how we view all of this. You know, what I, I think is pretty interesting is that um, Alexander had been posting these videos to his followers, I mean, basically since the election in November, kind of hinting that he was going to be doing something. Um, it you know, was really sort of only until a couple of days ago, until after the riots last week, that I think... Um, you know, people in the quote unquote mainstream media sort of noticed that that he had, uh, in fact, basically been boasting about his connections to uh, these three congressmen. Um, in terms of what happens next, I mean, at this point, you know, we, we certainly don't know. I think there's a number of people that are, you know, speaking out about this. I, I believe someone has filed an ethics complaint. Um, but who's to say, uh, you know, we'll, we'll sort of have to wait and see. Yeah, it most definitely is alarming. You know, AOC released a video where she even in the moment was detailing how she was afraid to be around certain Congress people around her who are known to be these kind of right extremists. Is this divide, you know, probably here to stay as long as, you know, Democrats and people like AOC don't get along with these extreme right wingers? I, I think that's a really good question. I mean, you know, it, obviously, uh there have been some Republicans, I think 10, who, you know, in fact voted uh, to impeach 
uh, Trump uh, in the House earlier today. So I think things are shifting a little bit. Uh, but there are a lot of questions that remain about, I think, what role some uh, very conservative, very pro-Trump members of Congress um, did in fact play in all of this. Mikey Sherrill, who's a uh, congresswoman from New Jersey, uh, she was in a town hall with, uh, I think, some constituents last night. And she, you know, I, I think as a former military officer involved in national security, uh, you know, before being elected, she, she mentioned that uh, some unidentified uh, members of Congress had basically taken uh, members of the riot around uh, Congress the, the day prior to the riot on these the quote-unquote reconnaissance tours. Um, so there are, you know, it, I mean, it's, it's hard to conclude anything off right. of these, these bits of and pieces, but I think a lot of people very fairly have questions. Yeah, definitely. Again, you're listening to reporter at The Washington Post, Teo Armis. So all the lawmakers who we mentioned are denying this, their connections to Alexander, even though it seems like they have ties on social media, pretty clear ties. Paul Gosar literally tweeted on January 6th, Biden should concede. I want this concession on my desk tomorrow tomorrow morning. Don't make me come over there. Hashtag stop the steal 2021 at Ali, if that's not enough evidence, uh, why is this such an interesting turn of events that obviously you want to do a whole story on it? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I should note that, uh, you know, we, we reached out to Gosar's office and he actually, of the three, was the one that didn't get back to us. Um, and he, <laughs> you know, as you noted, has uh, been tagging uh, Ali Alexander in, in these, you know, tweets for a month, well over a month at this point. Um, but the two other congressmen involved, you know, are basically denying any connection to him, even though, uh, you know, Alexander played a video from one of them at this rally in Phoenix uh, in December. Um, Mo Brooks was mentioned uh, in that video message from um, from Andy Biggs. Um, so, again, I mean, you know, who, who's to say, like, what exactly happened? But I think there are just a lot of questions about what exactly is going to happen next. I, I think, you know, this, along with the, you know, AOC's video and, and with Mikey Sherrill's accusations definitely implicate um, these members of Congress in an attack on their own workplace, right, in a way that um, I think, you know, as of last week, like in the, in the wake of everything that happened, we maybe sort of weren't so sure about. Yeah, I'm interested in knowing how is security shaping when uh, with the inauguration next week, you know, obviously, I'm hoping that we see people um, not protest in, in ways that turn violent. But I wonder, have you heard anything kind of about the security that's being amped up in time for the inauguration? Yeah, that's a, a really good question. I have a lot of colleagues um, at the Post who've you know been super busy this week reporting on that. I mean, you know, I think you guys, you know, have maybe seen the videos of like all these National Guard members basically sleeping in mm -hmm. uh, yeah. some part of the Capitol. Like things are, are really getting ramped up and who knows what will happen. But I think after last week, um, you know, pe people are sort of really amping up um, any kind of security measure that uh, might be put in, put in place just, just to be sure. Um, but who knows what will happen. Yeah, well, we know how busy you are right now. So we always appreciate our Washington Post reporters for joining us. That was Teo Armis. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Now, uh, coming up on the show, a QAnon writer will be given organic meals in federal prison. Are we okay with this? We debate that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Should prisoners get organic food if that's what they want to eat and they can't eat anything else? Should we be okay with that? Specifically, I'm talking about one prisoner, the QAnon believer, you know, who stormed the U.S. Capitol building while wearing that fur-covered horned hat. Remember that guy? You know, he's become a meme and went viral for his uh, ridiculous outfit. Uh, so he's going to be given organic meals in jail after refusing to eat regular food provided by the prison. <laughs> a lawyer for Jake Angeli, he's 33, he also goes by the name QAnon Shaman, said during his initial court appearance on Monday that he was refusing to eat while behind bars because of his strict organic diet. Then let now, him starve. Are we okay starve. with this? Yeah, for sure. I am. I, well, I'm not okay with him being given special privileges. I mean, he's a terrorist. And in all honesty, um, 
I, I don't understand. What are they shopping at Whole Foods for him? Are they going to like Trader Joe's and getting him like those like I don't know organic like cucumbers or something? Like I don't get it. If he wanted to eat and have his regular meals, he should have never stormed the Capitol and became a domestic terrorist in this country. Once you decide to go against this country in this way and in the, in, in the way that he did. No, I'm sorry. There's, we're already seeing that this country's already giving, you know, these people so many special privileges. Half of these folks, I believe the guy that sat in Nancy Pelosi's seat are in her mm-hmm. office and, and bragged about it and took a piece of her mail. He Apparently, he's only going to have to serve, like, at least up to, like, a year in prison. A lot of this is already, you're, 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 we're seeing special privileges happen already. And it, it's just irritating to me that this rioter, this terrorist um get, thinks that he gets to pick his meals no you better eat that slop and that mystery meat and call it a day it, you should have known what you were getting into when you did a lot of illegal activities right and you were spreading false information and doing what you did and breaking in he said i'm not really all that worried about it because in all honesty i didn't break any laws i walked through open doors they stormed it. No one had permission to do that. And a lot, and now that what we know, a lot of those people planned to kill and hurt those Congress people. Like, this is serious here. This isn't a game. I don't understand. That's the thing. I'm kind of over, you know, even talking about this in a sense because it just seems like no one's getting the severity. And like, we still see Republicans playing in the American people's face talking about they don't, they, they want to have unity at this point. Where was unity four years ago before this happened? Alexandria, uh, uh, Ocasio-Cortez said she feared her life, even among other Congress people who she knows would have gave out her location if they had the chance. That is yeah. dangerous. Yeah, and, and there's a few little issues I have with this. One, I, I it's obvious that this guy was like, it was funny to look at him. Oh, everyone had a good laugh, but this is a very serious situation. Exactly. But like, you know, there was the memes being shared, people saying, oh, this is like the new Halloween costume, people poking fun at him, which makes sense because he looked ridiculous. But also you're talking about a very serious life-threatening situation. Uh, so that's one. I'm, I'm conflicted on that. But then on this, so here's the thing. Do I believe, you know, we talk about prison reform and obviously tr- treating prisoners better and giving them Are you certain kidding rights. Me? Wait, wait, I'm just, I do think at a certain point, do, I'm all about better food. I mean, do I think all prisoners should get better food? Yeah, I, I would like to see a, a good organic company getting that deal instead of these crappy companies that are probably ruining our food industry. That said, does this one person deserve a, something special, you know, compared to other people? No, yeah, I, I agree on that. But should the system be looked at and maybe rejiggered? Possibly in terms of the food they serve. That's an interesting no? hot take. That is an no? interesting hot take. But we all have different saying. opinions, and I'm never going to say yours is not valid. I it's appreciate not. that. Oh my God, 2021, big hug through the I just part. said it's not. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, uh, coming up, the <laughs> Hollywood casting choice who is set to play Lucille Ball, who is drawing some controversy. Was it the best choice? We'll tell you more next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Coming up on the show, how the pandemic has changed AA and recovery culture and why tech CEOs like Elon Musk and Twitter's Jack Dorsey are telling you to download the app Signal. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. So much going on. Again, as a reminder, President Trump has been impeached for the second time. Again, four presidential impeachments have happened in the history of the U.S., so he has taken half of those. Uh, Speaker Pelosi shared this before signing the engrossment of the articles of impeachment. Today, in a bipartisan way, the House demonstrated that no one is above the law, not even the President of the United States. That Donald Trump is a clear and present danger to our country, and that once again, We honored our oath of office to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. So help us, God. And also, uh, gay Rhode Island Congressman David Cicilline is being applauded. He's definitely in the spotlight. He served as the lead sponsor of the article of impeachment. Representatives Jamie Raskin of Maryland and Ted Liu of California were lead co-sponsors, and it was very bipartisan, as we know. Cicilline was also threatened with violence as he moved it all forward. Here he is on the House floor today. 
lost his bid for re-election last November. It was a free and fair election. In fact, President Trump's own election security director called it the most secure election in U.S. history. But for two months now, Donald Trump has refused to accept the will of the American people. Over and over again, he's told his supporters he didn't really lose. The election was stolen from him and from them. And as they grew angrier and angrier over this perceived injustice, he told them there was still a way to keep him in power. So as Congress prepared to meet for the sacred ritual of certifying the results of the presidential election, the president made his move. He directed his supporters to travel to Washington for a rally to stop the steal. They did. I asked my colleagues on the other side of the aisle who are not planning to vote for this article, is this the kind of country you want to live in? And uh, while a trial will be held 100 days after President-elect Biden takes office for this impeachment of President Trump, uh, and we talked about that, of course, with Ken Charles from KNX News, uh, this clip is being shared of former FBI director James Comey telling the BBC that maybe Biden should consider pardoning Trump. He should at least he should consider it. Now, I don't know whether Donald Trump, he's not a genius, but he might figure out that if he accepts a pardon, that's an admission of guilt, uh, the United States Supreme Court has said. So I don't know that he would accept a pardon. But as part of healing the country and getting us to a place where we can focus on things that are going to matter over the next four years, I think Joe Biden's going to have to at least think about that. Okay, that was a lot, Ryan. But uh, what's your take on Comey? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I, I think we should do like everyone else is doing and just completely ignore him. I mean... I just don't understand where this even comes from. Like, why should Biden consider pardoning him? Trump has a literally, that's our, that's, I think that's the issue with, I feel like, um, political figures and just Democrats or just the political system altogether. It like creates places to like automatically just allow people to get away with things instead of letting them face the consequences. Like he spent four years at being impeached twice in one term now Trump needs to get, you know, what's coming to him. Uh, that is true. But as he said, he might not even take that because then it's like him pleading guilty. So very We'll just see. We'll have happening. to see. Yep. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? Okay, so the internet has a lot to say about Nicole Kidman being cast as Lucille Ball in a new film. It is time for your T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So if you haven't heard, Nicole Kidman possibly is taking on the role of Lucille Ball, um, has led people to question whether the actress can even master the slapstick comedy and dynamic facial expressions that made Ball one of a kind. Now, the decision isn't a done deal, but it most definitely has triggered a lot of people, including me, because it's going to be directed by Oscar winner Aaron Sorkin. Um, the film would take place during a tumultuous uh, production week of I Love Lucy. One user wrote, Kidman is the best actress of her generation, one of my all-time favorites. I would literally put her in every movie, TV show, etc., but her being cast as Lucille Ball is not it um people have even suggested deborah messing which makes more sense if you ask me i mean the red hair she actually kind of looks like lucille ball why yeah. nicole kidman that makes no sense it's also not to throw shade but like you know nicole kidman has gotten some work beautiful she's beautiful but like lucille ball was very vi like her face could move in different ways it's hard to do that with botox wow wow <laughs> i thought about that but shots yeah, it fired it doesn't seem like it. No, I agree. I agree. I think uh, uh, Nicole Kidman is good at doing one thing, and that is playing a rich white woman in distress. And a um, slapstick comedy. It's yeah. Yeah. So I think we need to take this to our IG story. Ta uh, take our poll over at LGT Show and let us know who you think deserves to be the iconic Lucille Ball. And I got more to report up next. Okay, now coming up on the show, could recovery programs like AA end up staying virtual even after this pandemic is over? More on that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Well, early pandemic shutdowns caused panic and anxiety for so many people in 12-step programs because of in-person meetings to stay sober. They were obviously canceled. AA quickly pivoted with many of the programs, estimated 2 million devotees finding themselves doing everything virtually, and it actually did work. Now joining us is Dr. Sandy Davis, a Pittsburgh-based psychotherapist specializing in addiction. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. 
How has this moment in time changed addiction programs right now? What have you seen? Obviously, everything's going virtually, but like, how does that actually work in allowing people to continue their recovery journey? Uh, Well, actually, it's interesting. There are a lot of new people who are leaving treatment centers or uh, rehabs for the first time, and they cannot get physically to uh, Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous because the meetings are closed down. So many uh, wonderful volunteers within the rooms of AA have set up Zoom meetings. And so uh, there are, uh, within each respective city, at least in Pittsburgh, there is an AA website and you can go and there are a list of several Zoom meetings that are scheduled daily, weekly, Uh, you get a password, you get an ID number, and many people have stayed connected night after night Mm. through these meetings. Has it enhanced their recovery? Well, uh, there's two elements to that. One is it has kept them in recovery uh, because it's a connection, even though it's not in person. And secondly, because you just have to walk about 10 feet and turn on your iPad, your computer, your cell phone, uh, and sit for an hour and listen to a Zoom meeting, it has encouraged people to attend more meetings. So there's still the connection. uh, There's still uh, the coverage of the AA topics, which are in uh, person meetings. And there's still uh, the recovery process. And that's the crucial piece. Mm -hmm. Wow, I'm happy that you broke it down because it gives you so much, I guess, clarity into how this all works, especially, um, I guess I would wanna know, uh, (laughs) is this the future of AA? Do you see in-person meetings being as uh, crucial and, and, and needed for that kind of tangible hug and the touch and just the feeling of energy in the room. Like, I feel like that all plays a part into it. But do you think because of the pandemic and just the future of technology, is this the new future? No, I don't think it's the new future. And I was just talking to a patient prior to this about that, how he physically misses the touching, mm-hmm. the social interaction the before and the after the meeting, which becomes like another meeting, and um, also the pieces of service that are not available when you're doing this remote. So I think this is not the future of AA. I think once the vaccine gets circulated, people will feel safe to attend the meetings again. Will, Will people be wearing masks for some time? Yes. But I think uh, most people in the AA community and NA community long to get back for physical touch, for social interaction before and after the meeting, and for the whole aroma of the AA meeting, which you cannot, it's not the same. Uh, yeah. through remote uh, Zoom. Yeah, I love I, I, I love aroma. I love that. Yeah, I'm so feeling good. it. Yeah, Dr. Sandy Davis again joins us as a psychotherapist specializing in addiction. Well, n- we're still in this now. It's not going to be over anytime soon, really. So how are people supposed to get over the challenges that might push them towards a relapse? Specifically, I think loneliness and a lack of human connection. The loneliness and isolation across the board, not just in the AA and NA community, but across the board has had very, very significant psychological effects on all of us. We've never been in this kind of predicament, so that everyone has to deal with. But that subgroup population has is the connection through Zoom. I think this connection is going to continue until we visibly uh, can't and physically can go back to meetings. So I don't think the future of AA is in jeopardy. We're just in a little holding pattern and we've been able because of the technology to introduce Zoom. And we talk about people on Zoom, talk about the isolation and the loneliness. So they're topics that come up a lot uh, and that helps with the loneliness and isolation because on Zoom, you're with a group of people. Yeah, I do worry about the people who can't 
you know, they don't have an iPad. They don't have internet. They don't have all of these resources. Mm. So what are they doing? How is AA and NA and, uh, you know, places like this kind of showing up for, you know, those folks who don't have the resources? Well, for people who don't have the resources or even don't have a cell phone, many people have coupled and gone to people's apartments or houses and been on Zoom together. Uh, They've lent a helping hand. Uh, There are a sprinkling of AA meetings that still meet in person in the city of Pittsburgh. People wear masks. They sit six feet apart. There's tons of hand sanitizer. uh, And so that still exists. But we try to couple people up so that people can attend. Yeah, a little bubble. I appreciate that. Well, that was Dr. Sandy Davis, a Pittsburgh-based psychotherapist specializing in addiction. Get back to work. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much. Nice meeting you both. You too. Now coming up on the show, what is the Signal app and why is everybody downloading it? That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey and Elon Musk have told people to leave the messaging service WhatsApp and download Signal, leading to an increase in downloads. But what is it and why should people go there? Well, tech expert Lance Ulanoff joins us right now. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Uh, so first off, what is Signal? Like, what is this app? Explain. It's another, it's another messaging app, you know, that relies on your phone number. Uh, it encrypts your, your messages end to end, so they can't be sort of grabbed in the middle, which is very important. And well, what does that uh, no- mean? Because we have like well, our non-techie audience. Look, it, it means that it's like you have, a, you have keys on either end, okay? Uh, and without those keys... Uh, It's like a door lock on either end. Without the keys for them, you can't get in, right? Well, without those keys, you can't read the message. So even if you intercepted somehow a signal message that wasn't meant for you, you, it would be garbage. It wouldn't actually be. So encryption is basically putting the message in a blender and only people with a special key can unblend that information to read it and know what it's about. That's critical because, you know, the whole idea for people is uh, they want their information private. Uh, and not everybody cares as much about this, but um, some people are in you know, businesses, uh, some people are in, you know, special positions where they really have to hold their information closely. And also uh, a lot of people now feel like technology companies know way too much about them that they, and they've been very free and loose with their information. They haven't been careful about it. Uh, they've uh, sold it to third parties or let third parties use it. So the whole idea with something like Signal is that you all, you control your information. You only share it with who you want. They only the people you want can read the messages, and that's it. And it's it's really sort of a closed system in that way. Sounds like a new hub for white supremacists. This is great. Is that you know? <laughs> I think what's interesting is we saw Parler and what happened with Parler, correct? And we saw that get uh. shut down. You know, these folks are going to need a place to go. If if we see these people right. kind of promoting, saying this is an encrypted act, and and you can people who only have special messages can get into these places, it just it feels um, a little dangerous. Is that something that people should be worried about with the app like this? Well, Signal is not a social media platform, really. It's it's a place for conversations around small groups of people or individuals. Parler was another is, if it's still in breathing at this point, is another social media platform that anybody could sign up for and kind of walk into and start perusing and see the information. Um, it's all out there. Uh, people also can be anonymized. You know, they don't have to be themselves. Whereas with Signal, it's tied to your phone number. You have to have a phone number to do it. You know, so it's it's more like a WhatsApp. And in fact, mm. it's interesting because one of the reasons that people flooded over to Signal is that WhatsApp suddenly made a, a terms of service change that seemed to open up their information to their owner, which is Facebook. And people freaked out because the promise of WhatsApp has always been, again, encryption, control, yeah. and nobody else sees your stuff. And so now it's kind of like Facebook is trying to wiggle around and open up that control. And anybody who went to WhatsApp said, well, I'll just go to Signal. And interestingly enough, uh, the person who built Signal came from WhatsApp. <laughs> okay. You know, it's very incestuous. Again, we're talking to text expert Lance <laughs> Ulanoff right now. Uh, there's Signal, there's Telegram. Mm-hmm. I mean, this seems to be the future. Uh, if you want to keep your messages private, you're an activist, you're a public figure, 
you have uh, maybe a side relationship. I don't know. Maybe that would be for you. Are you planning a domestic terrorist attack at the Capitol? So yeah, how does the, does the FBI have access to this? Like in the end, how much, I guess like the question is ethically, how much do we want with everything we're seeing right now and how how much we have so much like of a lack of control over this stuff? How much do we want the the government to have access to information versus we want to still be private citizens, right? Right. Well, you want to be private citizens. And I think that that's a really interesting point, because the thing that's happening here is that I think people are realizing that they no longer want uh, to have these big public discussions, that social media as a platform for for conversation and coalescing around ideas has fallen somewhat flat. Uh, has actually had some issues and, you know, we see what just happened where people collecting and sort of riling themselves up and creating these these thought and filter, these information bubbles uh, around false information. So I think that the world is sort of shifting a little bit to, well, let's make it more private. Let's make it smaller. You know, something like a signal, the conversations are going to be just among one other person or a very small group of people. And the hyperbole, of what was going on in broad-based social media isn't there anymore. So I think that's potentially some of the shift that we're seeing. There'll always be people who want these these bully pulpits, you know, who want to be able to stand up on a platform and shout something. But I think more people maybe are interested in the smaller world. And don't like Mark Zuckerberg get access to your texts. That's basically it. Lance <laughs> Ulanoff, tech, tech expert. Thank you so much for being with us for this. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Now coming up on the show, why do people share bad behavior on social media? We'll be back in two minutes. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Why do people post their bad behavior on social media? Now, this is something really interesting to me uh, because we post what we're proud of, but we also seem to, as humans, post things that are possibly controversial and we know that we're going to get into trouble for, right? And like, what is the psychology behind this? Why do we do this? Um, and it's interesting because according to some experts, including this guy, Andrew Levender, who's a licensed marriage and family therapist, uh, he said people post bad behavior on social media for simply stated attention. Almost all of us are predisposed to needing or wanting attention. Attention is tied to esteem and esteem leads to feeling of belonging. But some people may ask, at what cost do I want to belong? I mean, and that's a really big question. Like, have you ever gone as far as Ryan, like posting something that you thought like, okay, this might not be good behavior. Have you ever done that even? Um, no, I don't think I've ever, I, I, I do think I've used, uh, Twitter to say like funny things, um, or like harsh things to get a point across, but it's never crossed that line. I like to teeter that line. I like to kind of like dance on that line, but never really cross. And I think it all matters about like what you're saying and what's the point that you're, you're trying to come across. If you're offending people or of knowing that it can be offensive, then that's never a good idea. But I, I do think there's two layers to this. One, sharing bad behavior of other people um, because Mm. people need to, if they're going to act a fool in public, then why not allow the whole world to see you act stupid? I mean, that's why we saw some of the Capitol rioters. um, They got, you know, fired from their jobs because they were identified and you were using, you know, time off to go, you know, be be a domestic terrorist. I think that is a good way of using social media, like the gaze over COVID situation. Um, But I, I think when you're trying to share your own bad behavior, I think, what does that really mean? Are you looking for attention? I'm not sure, but it it can't really help you. It can only hurt you. But then, yeah, it goes back to like, you either know you're doing this or it's like a lapse in judgment. Like, where's the self-awareness here? So we see it from, uh, you know, Kim Kardashian's birthday vacation post during the pandemic to not just people dragging these domestic terrorists, but they themselves live streaming and posting about what they're doing. So what are we missing here? What is the gap these days where people just have is, is there's a lack of self-awareness that this is wrong? Right. I don't think there's a lack of self-awareness. I'm I'm sorry. I don't think people should kind of get off that easily. I think people know exactly what they're doing um, and they just don't want to read the room. They want to get that 10 seconds, 15 seconds of reaction uh, and then basically risk everything that they've worked hard for. I mean, Kim Kardashian, she didn't read the room. She wanted everyone to see her, you know, have this fancy birthday on a private island with her closest friends. She 
did not care about anyone else's feelings because it's just like, well, we're all dealing with this and this is what, this is my life. And I think that's problematic in, in a sense. Like, I don't care if you want to go out and do what you want to do, but don't put, post it all over social because now you're just rubbing it in. And so I don't think there is this kind of a lack of self-awareness. People know what they're doing when they press send. It's just if they care enough or not. That is, yes, the thing. Uh, do you care enough, right? Because you don't want to like live your life caring about what other people think and needing that validation. At the same time, it's like you you have a responsibility. It's like, what is the intention with your content? I think that whether you have a huge following or you have no following, I also think if you're posting bad behavior, you're hoping that people will validate that that's okay. Like, I think there is the hope that someone will be like, yes, go get it. Or I agree with what you're doing, right? There's like a certain sense of that, that I'll find community by sharing that stuff, like not wearing a mask. Something to think about as we uh, continue posting on social media in 2021. All right, coming up on the show, Republicans are blaming celebrities now for the Capitol insurrection. Who they brought up today on Called Out next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Coming up on the show, Ken Charles from KNX News gives us the latest on Trump's second impeachment. Plus, a teenager outs her mom on social media for participating in the Capitol insurrection. Uh, That is coming up this hour on Let's Go There. But first, some what's trending this hour. Uh, As we mentioned, the impeachment happened for the second time. President Trump's second impeachment. I mean, you can't make this up. And he was accused of inciting a deadly riot. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio announced today that the city will terminate business contracts with the Trump organization following everything that happened last week. In light of this criminal act, the city of New York has determined that it is within our power to terminate all contracts with the Trump organization. So we will no longer be doing any business at all. By the contract language, we have the right to terminate contracts, obviously, if a criminal act has been committed and a criminal act has been committed. So goodbye to the Trump organization. We're not doing any business with you. And as those in Congress spoke today debating Trump's impeachment on the House floor, Representative Ken Buck uh, blacked the Capitol insurrection on anti-Trump comments from Robert De Niro, Madonna, and Kathy Griffin. Robert De Niro said that he wanted to punch the president in the face. Madonna thought about blowing up the White House. Kathy Griffin held up a a likeness of the president's uh, beheaded head And nothing was said by my colleagues at that point in time. Yeah, so basically it's their fault. And of course, uh, Kathy Lee Griffin did respond on Twitter saying, Kathy Lee Griffin reporting for duty. I would have thought Cher before Madonna, um, but okay, I guess. And also, a fun little fact, uh, Nancy Pelosi, she wore the same dress that she wore the first time she impeached Trump on December 18, 2019. She wore that same dress today to impeach him again, January 13, 2021. Look at the tide start. I love that type of petty. I mean, that's real. Uh, Now, TikTok, the app which has been behind some of the biggest, as we know, video challenges, viral trends uh, during the pandemic, has announced new privacy settings for users under 18. TikTok told ABC News in a statement, starting today, we're changing the default privacy setting for all registered accounts ages 13 to 15 to private. Okay, this means that all followers must be approved by the user. The setting can be changed manually of course, though, to switch to a public account because a lot of these um, teens are already stars and want to build these public accounts, so they might not want to be private. Uh, TikTok will also limit comments on videos created by users in the same age group. Okay, I guess. I I mean, if they can change it back to how it normally is, then what's the point? But all right, I get it. It's just basically saying you can be private if you're 13 to 15. That will be the default. Yeah, so just taking precautions to say they did something before something awful happens. Yes. That's normally and how it that goes. That was what's trending this hour, yeah. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so Demi Lovato is doing what I feel like she's always doing recently. Uh, she's opening up about her near-fatal 2018 overdose in an upcoming YouTube docu-series. Um, it's time for your tea report those pop culture stories that are trending right now. And so the reason why I say she's always kind of doing this, I feel like she's she's given us a lot of document, either a documentary or a docu-series, or she's just been very open about her experience. You know, she's saying she's finally 
readily ready to divulge all the details of the that dark period in her life, which interesting that I guess the time is now in a statement to Rolling Stone. She said, it's been two years since I came face to face with the darkest point in my life. And now I'm ready to share my story with the world. She says, for the first mm. time, you'll be able to see my chronicle of struggle and ongoing healing for my POV. I'm grateful that I was able to take this journey to face my past head on and finally share it with the world. I mean, wow. I, I can't wait to watch. I watched her documentary and even that was very eye-opening and very vulnerable. And I mean, she was talking about she knocked somebody out because of like the place that she was in mentally. And so this announcement, of course, comes after she announced that she will be performing at the inauguration, Joe Biden's inauguration, with other stars like Justin Timberlake and John Bon Jovi. So, I mean, coming into 2021, being vulnerable with the, and with the bang. I love that. I wonder if they're going to be doing that virtually or in person. The performances. I see, that's what I'm also confused about. I'm not sure yet if it's virtual or if it's going to be in person. But who knows? If you want to know more, head over to WeirdChannelQ.com, of course, and keep us followed at LGT Show Everywhere. Okay, now what would you do if you found out your family participated in the Capitol insurrection? Would you out them on social media? Find out what this one teen did next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Now imagine catching your mom doing something horrible or actually illegal and then calling her out on social media. Well, that's exactly what this 18-year-old Helena Duke did. She caught her mom harassing a black woman while attempting to overthrow the U.S. government last week. Once again, these stories are coming out. Doesn't surprise me, but it's um, interesting that these kids are now more mature than their own parents and they're separating from their families because of this ridiculous behavior. She wasn't harassing. She was physically assaulting. Um, she was terrorizing. And it's a shame that this woman, she used her daughter. Uh, let's start there. She's a mom. She used her daughter as an excuse saying that uh, her daughter had some medical operation to go to. Um, she was lying and hiding it away from her family. Apparently, she was at one point a, a Democrat and then turned right, right wing extremist. I think what we saw here is what we continue to see um, in these moments, these heated moments, especially even what happened in my own backyard um, downtown Los Angeles. There were Trump supporters who attacked, physically attacked and abused and punched and the, the black woman left bloodied. Um, this is not like this is not about whatever they're saying. They're feeling oppressed. This is about racism. This is about white supremacy. And this is why I'm tired of honestly talking about stories like these. I mean, you pretty much mentioned the high level. This is what it's all about. Uh, when we go into the details, it is really crazy what this uh, person did. Teresa Duke, this is Helena's mother. She claimed she was going to visit her aunt to accompany her for medical procedure, which is what you mentioned. However, the daughter suspected she was really going to Washington, D.C. to attend the Stop the Steal Trump rally near the White House. Uh, and of course, the mom turned off her geo-tracking app on her phone so she couldn't get caught. But of course, as we've seen, photos, videos came out. And lo and behold, uh, her cousin, this 18-year-old's cousin, sends her a video of an encounter on the streets of D.C. that featured her mom, that one that you mentioned, of uh, t them tormenting bla a black woman who eventually becomes fed up and then uh, punches a woman in the face. And that woman happens to be Therese, her mom. Uh, so this is where it also gets crazy because a uh, big reason why uh, she outed her family is that she'd been kicked out of the house multiple times for being a liberal lesbian and attending a Black Lives Matter protest. Her mom was once a Democrat, like you said, but after Trump's election became a right-wing extremist. Here's the thing. So this all I, I also don't care. To be honest, I, I feel for that girl and I feel, I feel that she had to witness her mom doing this, but I don't care. This black woman who ended up being an aggressor in the middle of white supremacists was beaten and terrified then ended up being Mace, then being the only one arrested. Her name is Ashanti. She has a GoFundMe page and she was arrested. I'm, I'm sorry about this, you know, this girl who found out who her parents were. In all honesty, she no, always she was, probably. She, and then she dragged them, just like you said. Yeah, I mean, like, she, but she at the end of the day, like, I don't, I, I, no, I, I'm saying she doesn't feel bad about her mom. I know she, I feel bad oh. for her having to deal with her mom. Oh, yeah. That's totally. what I feel bad about. And that's the yeah. only thing I feel bad about because instead, 
did we witness once again, these people did not get arrested. This woman got to walk away. The only yeah, woman that got she... arrested was a black woman who got attacked and was uh, that made her look like she was the aggressor when she was just standing there probably doing her job. She has a GoFundMe account right now, right? Uh, that woman? Yeah, she does. Okay. Um, and then also now this young woman, the 18 year old, has a GoFundMe account that already has over like 41,000 um, in money because she uh, started it to help with her college expenses. And her mom has since been fired at UMass Mem Memorial Medical Center. Her mom worked at a medical center. That said, what you mentioned is really important to note. She has not um, been held responsible for this beyond getting fired legally. You know, she is not arrested. She has gotten, I guess, publicly shamed. But is that enough when something like this happens? Like she should be like the others being held accountable in that way legally as well. Yeah, if you want to check up, I found her name. Uh, her name is Ashanti Smith. Uh, and literally the GoFundMe title is Help Ashanti with Legal Fees. She's already raised $137,000. Wow. Um, 10,000 shares of people and 5,000 donors. Um, and yeah, she's only 28. And so it's just, it's crazy when you think about what was the real solution that these terrorists, these domestic terrorists thought they were g going to get. I mean, it didn't seem like they, they just wanted to go and scream and cause havoc and go attack people of color because of white supremacy that is what this seems like this is and that even seems like it's just it is what it is at this point you know and and what are your thoughts on on the families that are now discovering that their their parents their i don't know the daughters their uh cousins their best like perhaps a friend ended up being one of these people. Like, you know, to be honest, what would you do? I think what's interesting is I think, of course, when you finally get the hard facts that, oh, this is truth, it can shake you. But I mm -hmm. also think that you always know the people that, who they are at their core. You always have an inkling at some moment of something popping up or something that they've said that they have these biases, these prejudices. It pops up in everyday life. So the idea of kind of just being shocked when you see it in hard fact will start believing people when they show you who they are instead of actually showing you in a video because it's too late at that point. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, new reports from a far-right activist connecting congressional leaders now to the Stop the Steal movement. And they're actually denying it, but the Washington Post joins us for that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes Queen. Okay, Starbucks started a new community resilience fund to help support underserved communities in 12 major cities. They announced the launch of the Starbucks Community Resilience Fund today. They'll invest $100 million by 2025 to help advance racial equity and environmental initiatives through development projects in Black, Indigenous, and people of color communities. Uh, now, Starbucks will direct the investments to 12 metropolitan areas and surrounding regions in Atlanta, Detroit, Houston, L.A., Miami, Minneapolis, New Orleans, New York, Philly, San Francisco, Seattle, and Washington, D.C. Uh, so if you have maybe an organization and you need some money and investment, hey, Starbucks might be the place to get it right now. Good on them for doing this. Um, I know they've been called out a lot recently including last year but hopefully they're making better decisions now doubt it uh, and finally we really wanted to highlight this moment that came from cnn sarah sidner who choked up after reporting about the sesma family in south los angeles whose mom and stepfather died 11 days apart it's, it's just not okay it's not okay what we're doing to each other these families should not be going through this no family should be going through this so please listen to what this family is saying don't let this be you do whatever you can to keep this from killing your family members and your neighbors and your friends and your teachers and doctors and firefighters all of these people are here to help you but you have to do your part now I, uh, I appreciated this. It was, it was heartbreaking um, and also very powerful to witness uh, someone who's been reporting in the trenches of this and, you know, has to put on a brave face in reporting and talking about these things. And yet it's still human. Right. And to see that emotion come out uh, reflects what we're all feeling really in and us in reporting about this, even though we're like on our Zoom, you know, we don't need to be there like she is, but also in just as a community witnessing all of this and experiencing it. 
Yeah, I mean, I can't say it better. I think it's it was so touching to see um, her literally doing her job in the field and just mm. being overwhelmed by everything. And I think when I'm constantly reading the notifications or reading the articles and we're talking about it here, it's very draining. And sometimes you just can't hold it in. You can't, you know, push through it. And I don't think you should have to. And I, I love that she mm. shared that self um, of her so publicly because it touched millions of people on Instagram alone. Her, that clip has like over 3 million views. So it's, it's beautiful. It's really beautiful, but also follow the rules. There's reasons why she's getting so emotional. She's seeing people's lives being just, you know, taken away at a, at a moment and seeing the bodies and seeing the tents and all these things. So just be aware of that. Like those are not fake tears. Like this is not a game. It's real life. That does it for our Yes Queen of the Day and our show. Yes, Queen. But you can catch up on everything. We uh, post our show as a podcast every single day. So just go to the radio.com app and where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We are back tomorrow on the show. Of course, we'll be keeping you up to date with everything happening uh, in Washington, D.C. and the impeachment and all that crazy stuff. Also on the show, the social media accounts that are making people wonder whether Instagram is good or bad for the LGBTQ plus community. So tune in live right here on Channel Q, 4 to 7 p.m. Pacific, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris right after this where they're covering COVID vaccine myths. Ooh, that's next. <laughs> 